And how many times are people like, oh, you can have my kids. I'm like, girl, I don't want your kids. (laughs) Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so grateful to have Lana Manikowski with us today. If you have not met her, then I'm very excited to introduce you to her. I had the opportunity to be on her Instagram live back in September and absolutely loved it. And so Lana, thank you for being here. It's an honor to have you on the We're Not Kidding podcast. Well, thank you. And we've been talking about doing this episode for a while. And when I invited you to come on to the live, I felt a connection with you. But once we finished the live, I realized how many similarities we had and that we navigate whether it was our choice or by circumstance that we weren't able to become moms or chose not to become moms. So I'm excited to continue the conversation. Likewise. And thank you so much. I absolutely love the content that you put out there. And even though we arrived to this point of not having kids in different ways for different reasons. I love how much I resonate with what you share and your focus being on creating a meaningful life. And and also, I haven't, I guess we haven't mentioned this yet, your podcast, which is the So Now What podcast, which is such a pertinent question. I think also, no matter how you came to a life without kids, because, you know, if you had always imagined you'd have kids and then realized you didn't want that life path, which was my experience, then it's still like, so now what? Like, what does this other life look like? And I just think it's a brilliant name. (laughs) Yeah, well, because I think for me, I mean, not only when it comes to like children and not being able to have kids and infertility and the things that brought me to this point in my life, but even when it comes to like your career and your marriage or, you know, losing a parent, I mean, all the millions of things that we go through, there's so many crossroads we come and you're like, just not sure what the next best step is. And that's really what I try to like focus my energy on is not being caught up in the confusion of all the possibilities, but just like picking a possibility and seeing if it is a good one or not a good one. And that there's no wrong possibility. They're all just explorations of what our life can entail. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners who this is their first time meeting you, would you be willing to share like a little bit of your background and yeah, how you came to where you are and what you are? Yeah. Well, about me, I didn't get married till I was 35. I wasn't someone that always like I knew I wanted to be a mom or I I thought I knew I wanted to be a mom. We can talk about that a little bit more later too. But I just assumed that once I got married, then I would become a mom. But it wasn't something that I was necessarily focused on. I was very career-driven, friend-driven, travel, you know, just like the things that attracted me were not settling down and becoming a wife and a mom. And so when I when I finally met my husband, I was in my mid 30s. We got married at 35, and then at 37, 
someone asked me like, have you thought about having a family? And little did I know this was a friend of mine who had gone through infertility treatments and it wasn't really like on my radar, to be honest with you. I assumed it would happen, but it wasn't like, okay, I can't wait. Like, let's get pregnant on the honeymoon. It just, I had, I guess, a maternal instinct, but it wasn't necessarily a priority to me right away. And then at 37, when I went in and had some workup done, I was then categorized in a category of infertility called unexplained infertility, which is commonly more, there's not like no history of PCOS, no endometriosis. A lot of these um, medical conditions that then result in infertility, mine was just more so low ovarian reserve on the older end of the spectrum. So it was more common when you get into your mid to late thirties to have this diagnosis of unexplained infertility. And then I was just like freaked out. This is like the first time in my life. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I need to have kids. I need to figure this out. And so there, there, I started my infertility journey of treatments. And for seven years, I tried, you know, various different ways to become a mom and it didn't work out for me. And when I got to the end of my journey, I was offered the adoption route or an egg donor route. And my husband and I talked about it. We did, you know, look into adoption for a little bit. And then we just decided that that wasn't for us. And then there were no resources. The clinic that I had gone to, there just was no follow-up. And I was a very, I would say like self-sufficient type person. I wasn't like a support group type person that just wasn't, you know, kind of who I was. So I just figured I would like figure it out. Like time would just like heal me and I would just decide how I was going to move forward with this future that didn't have children. And so that's kind of where my path sort of came to, I don't want to say like a crossroads, but I really started becoming aware of how much I had wrapped up my, my future in my identity into becoming a mom. And when I look at that, it's just so different than who I was in my past because I was always such an achiever and a goal getter and a leader. And then for the first time in my life, I felt like I didn't have direction because of a lack of motherhood. And then I decided I just didn't want to live my life feeling like I wasn't enough because I didn't have a child. And so I I started working with a coach for myself. I historically didn't really know what life coaching was. I didn't really see the power of it. And now I just, I can't get enough of it because I think it's such a powerful tool for women, regardless of what you're dealing with in your life. So I got my coach certification, started the podcast in September of 2021. And here I am a life coach for women without children. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that background. And I think it's really empowering, like how you navigated it and how, where you came to, and to also use your experience to want to empower others. And yeah, I just admire that so much. And, you know, I think that a lot of times I will hear conversation around child-free group and the childless group, and it's, focused a lot on how we're different, which is important, right? Like it is important to distinguish that, you know, child-free is by choice. Childless is often, you know, it's by circumstance. Mm -hmm. And, but I have loved getting to know you, getting to talk with you and also like seeing all the similarities and 
I just would love to talk about that for a bit. Like I know in listening to some of your podcasts and seeing some of your content, like, and we can get into these too. Like there are the bingos that both groups receive. They're different or maybe they hit differently. And there's also dreading comments at family gatherings or holidays or, you know, kind of those those things that I think apply to both groups. But there's also something you had said that really stuck with me and also resonated with me was, will my marriage be enough? And when I made, had the realization that I didn't want to have kids and was making that choice, I also had a fear, like, will this be enough for either of us? For Grant, will it be enough for Grant? Like, because I was the one ultimately leading the conversation in our marriage of, I don't think I want kids and let's see what this is going to look like. And so, yeah. So I guess I'm curious, how did you navigate that? How has that looked for you? Well, I think, you know, it's, it takes work, but not like in a like heavy lift way. Like I am just, I'm more focused on finding opportunities for us to grow together and independently. You know, I think, yes, I want my marriage to grow with us as a couple, but I think in order for us to be strong, we each need to individually kind of have our own subset of interests and not be so dependent on each other to nourish ourselves. I think a lot of what makes my marriage strong is that my husband, you know, is a skier. I don't ski. So if he wants to go on a boys weekend skiing, or he's gone skiing alone because he didn't have any friends that didn't have kids that could go on a last minute ski trip. So some of that stuff he does on his own and I don't have a problem with it. And he had a friend who had a 50th birthday party in Greece and all my friends are like, oh my gosh, you're going to let your husband go to Greece alone. And I'm like, yeah, like why? I don't think that our marriage has to solely exist with us doing everything together. But that said, I do try to find a lot of opportunities to do a nice dinner at home. And, you know, bring out our wedding china, you know, the stuff that has like dust on it and all the 82 place settings that we got and we registered for, for our wedding that never gets used. And every once in a while, like creating a special occasion on a Tuesday night to just set the dining room table with candles and have a nice dinner. And, you know, for example, this last Sunday, I randomly just made a, a brunch reservation for us. I live in Chicago. And so I, there's like a really cute restaurant that we've been to once or twice. And I was like, Hey, I made a brunch reservation for us at one 30. So finding opportunities to create the special times. Cause I think a lot of us think it just automatically happens and you have this bond with someone, or you create these memories together just by breathing the same air. <laughs> and I really, I think it's twofold, you know, having the independence and doing the things that you love independently, but then also creating a, cogn- a conscious effort to do things special. And it doesn't have to like cost money to do things special. It could just be like carving a night out for you guys to hang out together and have dinner on China that you already own, but never pull out of the cabinet because it's a pain in the ass to watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that. It's bringing that intentionality into it. And also it's something like, I love that example, which is in some ways so simple because it's a dinner at home with things that you have, but maybe it's instead of eating it, like, I don't know where you typically eat, like there, let's say at the kitchen Island, it's having that more formal experience, putting 
the little a little more thought into the presentation and doing all those fun things to really make it a special experience. Totally. And I think a lot of people I've seen find it like, why should it be so hard for us to like have this relationship that feels bonded? And it's like, well, why, why does it have to feel hard? What if it, it just seems like exciting or you're curious or you're just exploring, like, what are some things that can bring you together? Like if you approach it as like, you know, if I had kids, it wouldn't be this hard. If, mm-hmm. if we had kids, we would not have to consciously decide what we're going to do with our time. And I think it's like such a gift that I have the ability to decide now because I don't have kids. What do I want to do? with my time and how do we want to spend our time together as a couple and what do we want to do together or independently? Yeah. I love that. You know, I kind of see it as a mindset shift you highlighted there going from sort of, if we had kids, it wouldn't be this way to sort of, because we don't have kids, what can it be like? Um, What are there other mindset shifts like that, that you find come up a lot in either your own experience or with clients that you work with? And what are they? Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, more timely, I mean, what we're recording now is, you know, we're coming up on the holidays. And I've been doing a lot of work in my community of how to prepare for the holidays and handle seeing people that you haven't seen, maybe because of the pandemic, this might be the first year that your like total group is getting back together. And you haven't had those opportunities for people to ask like, oh, any kids yet? Or, you know, all the questions that Aunt Joni loves to ask or the things that might give you anxiousness because you're like, oh, I know my Uncle Joe is probably going to make a comment about how I've gained a couple pounds, but they don't know I've just got done doing fertility treatments. And there's oftentimes a weight gain. And so there's all this anxiousness that builds up for us. And a lot of people that I've been working on with this feel like it shouldn't we shouldn't have to do all this prep work. And, you know, just like with the marriage thing, like, well, we don't have to do this prep work, but we will then go into our cousin Lisa's house and be bombarded by all these questions. But if you just have like a mental framework of, okay, when somebody asks me any kids yet, like, what is the answer you want to give? Like, you don't have to tell your life story if you don't want to tell your fertility story. You don't have to say, hey, you know, Jack and I are choosing not to adopt. Like we're choosing to be child-free after infertility or childless, depending on how you want to look at it. So really a lot of people, I think when they're not working with a coach or not working on their mindset, feel as though this is a burden to them, like that it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to have a plan of action devised to go to Thanksgiving, but like you don't have to, but if you want to feel in control and feel good about who you are and who you are like showing up being, then how great that you have the opportunity to put a plan together. No one told me that. Like I did all this on my own. There was no one out there talking about how to handle the holidays when you don't have kids. And so I would walk into these events where I'm sure people weren't purposefully trying to make me feel bad about the fact that I didn't have a child in tow, but no one ever talked about like, okay, well, what are like, let's think through this. When you drive up the driveway, like I worked on this, I did a free call with my community last Saturday and I was like, okay, just like envision, like, you know what the driveway looks like. You'll see, you know, this car and that car. And you know, before you even ring the doorbell, who's already in this place now, like, 
create this mindset of like, how do you want to show up at this holiday? What energy do you want to bring in? Give your cheese ball or whatever appetizer you made and like have this all played out in your mind of how you want to accept the people who are guests in the room, what energy you want to show up with. So for me, I've found that to be like a huge mindset shift, especially around the holidays. I love that. And something I'm not sure if I'm picking up on this correctly, but you mentioned focusing on the energy that you want to show up with. And is that more so than preparing what you will say in response? Because in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I go to like, oh, maybe I should have a response prepared. But then it's like, you could get like, you don't know what the questions are going to be or the exact wording of the comments or how they're going to hit. And so it's like, I think that that distinction of energy sounds so much more empowering. It's like, okay, if I'm in this energy, kind of trusting that that energy is going to guide your words to respond in the way that you want to. I, you know, I think you're totally on point with that. It's like having the energy of just knowing like who, who you are, we can't identify ourselves of anything beyond this physical body that we have. Like if we had kids and we were walking in with a baby seat and, you know, diaper bag, would that make me any more well-received by my family? Or is it that they're excited to see the child? Like there's no more excitement to see me. It's an accessory that I brought into the event with me. So understanding the energy that you want to be welcomed with. And when you, when you exude a certain energy about yourself that you're like, either genuinely happy to be there, or maybe whether you chose to have kids or not, like maybe it is a trigger for you to show up to a family holiday. And there's nothing wrong with you for that, but maybe walking in and being like, you know what, it might be hard for me. Mm. And having that compassion is part of the energy too. If, If you walk in saying, okay, Lana, no matter what you feel like, know that I love you and know that you're, you're just doing your best. And like, telling yourself that like, I've got your back. Mm. You might be asked a question that you were not expected to know the answer to, or you weren't expecting this question to be asked of you, but saying, but I I trust in you that you'll handle it the best way you know how. So going in with like an energy of just like loving yourself. Yeah. Wow. I like getting emotional just hearing you describe that because I think that is so profound and so beautiful. And yeah, just like, I hope that anyone listening can, can gift themselves that, you know, because this can be such a, the question of kids aside, like getting back together with family, especially if you're going back to a hometown or back to a setting that you've left or whatever it is, there can be so many old patterns that come back. And so to go in with that for whatever comes your way, I think is just so beautiful. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's really helped me. And that's what I try to teach in my community is there's very few examples. And that's why I think you and I hit it off so well is there's very few examples of people that aren't existing from a place of like anger mm-hmm. of like, how dare you, you shouldn't say this to me, you shouldn't do that. And I think you and I are very much aligned where it's like people can do and say, we can't control what comes out of people's mouth. But if we just teach our communities, like some tools that they can use to interpret them, like what a great service that is, because I don't know if you had that. I did not have that 
for me. And to be able to have gained these tools from coaching and then share that in my community is to me, like such a powerful thing that I know I needed. So I just try to do my best to like preach it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And like, you cannot control what other people say to you. And finally, like, I feel like I'm getting to a place where I'm no longer afraid of it. I used to be very afraid of the comments and sort of brace and like hold myself defensively, just like internally, like, oh, what are they going to say? Are we going to have to go there? You know, worried about the judgment, but getting to a space where I am now very like confident in my choice for myself and also like compassionate. And for those, I don't know if pronatalism is something that you dive into or or have think much about in the context of being childless, but we're really all functioning under a lot of pronatalism, right? That uh, social drive for children. And that's just what you do. It's kind of that life script. And so I think when you're outside of that, whether by choice or by circumstance, it can be hard because of people's reactions, but it's also understanding that their reactions are also conditioned. Yeah. It's just a different time. Like our grandparents' generation or even our parents' generation just couldn't perceive not having children. It just was so far off and there had to be a dramatic story about why you weren't a parent for you not to be a parent. And I even found that for me, like you said that you're finally getting to a point that you feel, you know, comfortable with some of the questions. Like for, for me, I would always kind of find myself like bracing. Cause when I told someone I couldn't become a mom or that I had infertility, like their first thing is you can always adopt. Mm. And I know that's, to them, that might be like an offer of hope or maybe giving me like people, I think just truly want to like offer you some sort of like something to hang on, but it wasn't the decision for, for me and for my husband as well. Like it was just something that we looked into, but it just wasn't the right choice for us. And I felt like I constantly had to defend why I didn't do it. Like I had to justify that you know, it wasn't the right choice for me. And then I was like, oh gosh, people are probably going to think like I'm an awful person that, you know, there's children that need homes and, you know, we have a home to give. And I just, I felt like I constantly was shying away from the conversation of adoption because it was an opportunity for people to judge me that I didn't want to be a mom bad enough. And you know what? I realized like, well, maybe I didn't like, what if I didn't like, I could have adopted. And maybe I didn't want to be a mom bad enough to adopt. And does that make me less of a woman or less of a person because I chose that route for me and for us? Right. So I think there's a lot of pressure that we we feel that we've got to justify why we are females. And for me, stopped my route at, you know, exit whatever, you know, was like the end of my journey. And there were a few more exits I could have, you know, moved on on the highway and and continued on to the next one. But when it wasn't for me, I just, I was sick of feeling like I had to apologize for stopping my journey when I did. How did you move into like acceptance for yourself at that point? That's the, the acceptance part, I think, was hard for me. And when I talked about having worked with a coach, it was not, nothing was offered to me from my clinics that, you know, I spent probably $150,000 out of pocket. And 
Not that I think, um, I'm not trash talking them for that, but I just don't think that there's a lot of resources out there for how to navigate your future without children beyond therapy, which, you know, therapy is great. I'm not against therapy, but I think therapy has its specific place, but the life coaching of like your future and getting excited again and, and really creating a path for yourself was something that wasn't offered to me. So I had gained a significant amount of weight during my fertility treatments. And I historically wasn't someone who was overweight. And so I started working with someone on weight loss, which turned out that she was a life coach. And I didn't know that. I just thought she was going to help me lose these 30 pounds that were packed on. And so she was like the first person that told me I could believe a different story about myself. And that's when I got really personally motivated to just start digging deeper. Like, okay, well, if there's a story I could tell myself and no one could tell me what I can and can't believe about me, and no one has to know what I'm believing or thinking about me, why am I continuously going to a place that makes me feel like I'm not enough or a place that makes me feel like I'm not a contributor to our society because I did not have a child. So if that answers your questions, it was sort of like I stumbled upon coaching through gaining a shit ton of weight that made me feel uncomfortable. And then from there, I just started realizing like there's more to believing what I believe about myself than what the history books say about women without children. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Something I'm curious too is I've heard other stories of people who, you know, have had struggles with infertility and then use, you know, start out identifying as childless. And then as they become, you know, as they throughout their journey, eventually embrace the term child free, um, kind of taking ownership of their life without kids. And I'm just curious for you, how do you feel about those terms and your own relation to both of them? Well, first of all, I think we identified this when we talked in our live. Like when I first found out I wasn't going to be a mom, I didn't know the difference between child free and childless. I just, I didn't know the distinctions. And now that I do, I feel like the childless terminology has you feeling like there's always this like sense of lack mm-hmm. and this sense of I don't have and wishing and yearning for more. And then the child free thing. Uh, terminology, I think really like sounds a a lot more freeing and a chosen route. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I necessarily identify with one fully or the other, because I think that there's a portion of me that always is curious what my life would have ended up like if I was a mom, or if I did have a child, like what it would have gone on to do and accomplish in this world. But I got to a point where I just, it didn't feel good for me to constantly feel like I was in this sense of lack. Mm -hmm. And so I, I see myself sort of in the middle and I I've said this before, like even knowing my outcome of my fertility treatments and the money that we spent and the heartache and the medications and the weight gain, (laughs) I would still have repeated it because the end result got me to where I am today to have this new perspective on how I can live my life and this new opportunity that not only the coaching hasn't just helped me in feeling free from my inability to have a child, but it's helped me in so many other ways from career to relationships 
to friendships and the tools that I've gained, I don't think I would have ever gotten to this point of thinking and to really rationalize the story that I was telling myself and how it's helpful or not helpful and the ability to change my thoughts and my beliefs. I truly don't believe I would have ever gotten to that fully evolved place that I'm at now. And of course, always evolving, but you know, to a point that I feel like I could have actually felt such ownership of who I am as a woman had I not gone through that journey. So for me, I am grateful that I did experience as as tragic as it felt at the time. I feel grateful that I was able to come to this point because of that. I have chills. That is that is really beautiful and really inspiring that you come to a place not only of acceptance but of appreciation for and being able to see what opportunities this has created in your life and what, I don't know if gifts is the right word, but like what other beautiful things have emerged from this very hard, painful, you name it, journey that you have been through. Yeah. Cause I think uh, it's common for people to say, well, I wish my life was better, but because I couldn't have kids, it's not, or because I have infertility or, you know, whatever insert your challenge. I mean, it could be a health challenge. It could be a relationship challenge. Like there's so many things that we give our strength away to, and that doesn't mean that we don't struggle. I mean, I certainly, there's times where I see young families and a mom interact with a baby and you can just, you know, see that mother child bond. And, you know, you, you wonder, like, wonder what that feels like. Like, I know that I won't have it, but I don't believe the story that I don't know love because I'm not a mom. Like right. there's that distinction that people think, oh, you'll know love when you become a mom, but that's your story. Like I know love and my love might maybe is different. Maybe you'll never know the love that I have in my life or the beauty that I see in myself and the growth I see in myself or my relationship and the love I have with my husband, I might not have ever gotten to that point if I was solely just assuming that the only love I could ever have is through giving birth to a child. Yeah, absolutely. I I relate to that so much. I, I too will have those moments of seeing moms with kids or, you know, and just wonder like, what would that path have been like for me? I did choose not to, but I do still, I do have moments like that. And it's, just I, well, like, I don't think it, de- it, it, it cheapens your reason for not wanting to be a mom. I mean, we're just, we're human and there's right this whole world of emotions around us. And so maybe every once in a while we'll catch an emotion and how great that we can have those emotions and still come back to who we are and be like, yeah, but you know, this is my path. Yeah. yeah I, I, I could be like, oh, well maybe I'll start looking into adoption now all of a all of a sudden, because I saw, you know, this beautiful moment between a mother and child. And I wondered what that felt like, but it's just, you know, one of the passing thoughts that just continues to move forward in front of us. Right. Absolutely. Do you, want to cover any of the holiday stuff more specifically? You know, we talked about this when we did our live together back in September and um, you really, I think, broached the subject nicely about kind of creating new traditions for yourself and maybe seeing yourself travel on a holiday or going out of town on a holiday or, you know, something like that. And so we were, my husband and I were actually supposed to be gone for the holidays and something came up and we couldn't, didn't end up traveling. And 
when we told our family that we were going to be in town, it was automatically like, okay, so like, what's the plan? And we decided like, we're just going to hang out the two of us. And it was like, what? <laughs> like, did we really do that? So yeah, <laughs> we're, um, we made a reservation for brunch at a hotel, you know, like one of those like fancy, like hotel brunches. And I'm like, okay, this is how the world lives. <laughs> so, you know, you honestly, like your conversation with me back in September really had me thinking about, okay, well, maybe I want to try something different this year. And even though, you know, we thought we would be gone and we just, you know, by chance ended up not being at my sister-in-law's out of town. Like now that we're in town, like I don't have to necessarily go back to doing the same thing I've done for the last 40 years. Yeah. Oh, so it feels really that. good. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. <laughs> And the other thing is, I think there's a lot of anxiousness that comes up around the holidays because we create this expectations that we should feel a certain way because of a date on the calendar. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from for around the holidays, because we feel like we should be thankful or feel this magic of Christmas or, you know, these things that seem to be so kid centric when, you know, the letters to Santa and the pictures with Santa and when we don't have those things we like judge ourselves like, God, should I be more excited about Christmas? Like what's wrong with me that it doesn't seem like the magic of Christmas is around me, but who says that a date on the calendar automatically means that your emotions should be heightened because Mm -hmm. of, you know, December 25th or, you know, depending on when you celebrate Christmas, I'm Serbian Orthodox. So we also have Christmas on January 7th. So you know, I get two Christmases and so there's like two times where I get to like really decide, do I want to be happy? Do I want to be sad? Or I just be like, you know what? It's maybe just another day on the calendar. Yeah. Right. Oh, I love that. And also that makes me think of like, there's so many other days on the calendar that you probably already do build magic into, whether it's like a trip somewhere or some experience, but because it's not associated with a certain date on the calendar, maybe you overlook that. Yeah. And I was actually coaching with one of my students the other day, and she said that her feelings get really hurt because her family that has grandkids, like they don't want to come over to her house on Thanksgiving when she invites them. Mm -hmm. And so she feels like everyone's choosing their grandkids over coming and spending time with with she and her husband. And I was like, well, what if you just have them over the next day? You know, like big deal. You know, like just because it's Thursday and Thanksgiving, like all of a sudden it should be like everyone should come for dinner. Like maybe like I'm doing that. Like I'm not going to be with my family. So on Friday, I invited my mom and dad over and my father-in-law. I'm like, why don't you guys come over and we'll have lunch on Friday. Like Mm. we're going to have just as much fun and the same cast of characters that we would probably have. So I think we put a lot of expectations around a tradition based on a date on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my overview on the holidays and what I've been experiencing in my community. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You've mentioned that you have a community and how can people listening either get in touch with your community, with your podcast? Where can people find you? You mentioned I have um, the So Now What podcast. You have to search all five words, um, the So Now What podcast. And I try to come out with an episode every Tuesday. Mine are very short, not as like in-depth maybe as as your fabulous podcast is. Um, but mine are like 10 or 15 minutes. 
a lot of it's just like relevant to maybe things that have either come up with my students throughout the week or things that seem to be like a reoccurring theme in not having children or having infertility. And so the podcast is a great way. I also do a couple of times a year. It's a small group mastermind. It's called Thrive After Infertility. And I keep it specifically very small because I found women like us, we just want to know that other women like us exist. And it seems like with our friends that have kids or family members that have kids, we're constantly feeling like we need to explain ourselves for why we are thinking a certain way or why we don't want to get it, go to a first birthday party or why it's hard for us to go to a baby shower. Like all these things that I found myself feeling really judgmental, but had no one to talk to about it. Or I'd always like lead like, Hey, don't judge me or, you know, don't think I'm weird, but I just really, I can't go to Susan's kid's birthday. And I felt like I was constantly having to explain myself. And so with Thrive After Infertility, it's a small group where I find that the women really love having an opportunity to just like say what they say. And all of us in the room know what's up, you know, there's no apologizing for it. So the Thrive After Infertility Mastermind, and then I do one-on-one coaching with students. So and my Instagram is at lana.manikowski. Awesome. And yeah, for anyone listening, if you don't already follow Lana, her content is absolutely fabulous. I really enjoy following you on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I find your content very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I just, I really want to um, set an environment in the world that you don't have to apologize for not having children. And I think that for so long we feel like, or I felt like I had a tiptoe around and justify. And like I said earlier, just like kind of apologize for just being me. Yeah. And it's been so liberating to know that people can say or expect whatever they want out of me or from me, but I don't have to have those same expectations that other people do. So. Yes. It's just been very liberating. And I want to just share that message. And I know you're the same with your community because no one tells us this part of it. Right. You know, it's just like, okay, if you don't fit in the in the box of being a woman, then you're just sort of like this weird person who not, people just really don't know how you're surviving. And people worried that you're going to grow old alone in a nursing home and no one's yeah. going to be there to take care of you. Like all these like doom and gloom things. And I was like, I'm done with that. Yeah. And thank you. And thank you for being a voice out there and such a empowered and inspiring example because it's so needed and it's so important. And yeah, we, I think we should celebrate that we don't fit that box and that we, right? yeah. Yeah. And how many times are people like, oh, you can have my kids. I'm like, girl, I don't want your kids. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to put that in there, but I think people <laughs> just assume that like, They need to make up for what we don't have, but I'm sure I could have figured out a way to either have an egg donor or to have it, you know, if I really felt like I needed that to complete me, but I just don't, I don't believe the narrative that you need to have a child to complete you anymore. No, absolutely not. And yeah, I just love that you clearly have like, like exploring and, and living out what that looks like for you, what a completed version of Lana Manikowski is. Yes. Not apologizing for it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It feels really good. Like, honestly, like I, like I said before, like, had I not gone through the struggles I went through to become a mom and to have my infertility diagnosis, I just don't think I would have ever gotten to this opportunity to become such a greater involved, evolved person. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a gift. And it's like, it's free. Like, that's what I tell people all the time. Like when you work with a coach, like, yes, you may be paying like upfront to like, have, you know, sessions or whatever, depending on how your container is, but like that lasts you like a lifetime. And it's not just handling being childless or child-free. Like it's like multiple places in your life and it's like the greatest gift. And I, I know I'm super passionate about it, but I just like wish more people knew that this ability to believe your story and what you want to believe about yourself and your future is like free to you right now. And yeah. Just, no one talks about it. <laughs> yeah. I am so with you. And it's like the ripple effects, right? Like when you, you may come into coaching, you know, your clients came to you for whatever reasons around infertility struggles and, and life after. And it's not just that one component of their life that's being impacted by the work that you do together. It is everything. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and you haven't hired Anna as your coach, you need to and seriously <laughs> do not go into 2023 without a coach. <laughs> I'm right back at you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I, I just love like this whole, like, I know it can be an overwhelming place, right. Of I'm not going the motherhood route or the parenthood route, but, and there's this whole blank canvas of building a meaningful life, you know, and, and that can be paralyzing, but it is full of so much opportunity and you get to create that. Like I get, like, I get so excited. Like, yeah. Yeah. I found it very overwhelming. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm responsible for yeah. the next say 50 years of my life. Like it felt very like overwhelming in the beginning. And then when I started understanding like what that truly meant, I was like, oh my gosh, like sign me up. Right. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. And, you know, of course it's challenging to sometimes like figure out like, what are my talents? What are the things that excite me and draw, you know, that's like some of the biggest work I do with my students is really like exploring how do you want to fill your time? If you're not going to be a mom and you don't have to worry about sending kids off to school and prom and becoming a grandparent, like it can feel very overwhelming because you always tied your identity with the future of having the milestones of your children. And there is almost this like rebirth of who you are as a woman, I believe, because Mm. you've created this new identity for yourself that you might not at that point have chosen for yourself. But when you realize the opportunity that comes from it, it's like, God, this is like freaking exciting. I can do anything I, I, I want. And I'm the sole decision maker in that it doesn't have to feel heavy forever because it does feel heavy. And I know because I lived that I've had a lot of like, oh my gosh, like I got to create the right answers for myself and the right path. Mm -hmm. And what if I just like try something and say, yeah, I want to do more of this or less of that. And maybe doing some of this leads you to some of that. There's just the opportunities are endless. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. I I feel like I could talk to you forever and I hope to have you back again (laughs) many times so we can continue this conversation. And just also like, like you said, it's an evolution. So I want to know what's next for you and the coaching that you do and even your personal journey. And so 
yeah, please come back. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And um, for anyone out there who's like, seriously, like on the fence of what to do and like your future, just like know that life coaching does not get the attention it should. And there is so much power and so much value in working with a coach. Um, because I truly mean it. Like when you learn these tools, they just continue to compound in your future and help you create the most magnificent life. So seriously consider hiring a coach and get your 2023 off to a great start. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. What she said. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I can't wait till we come together again. Yeah. Likewise. It was an honor having you. I'll catch you next time. Hey, listener, real quick before you go, if you're curious what it might be like to work with a coach around any aspect of your child-free life or the decision to have kids in the first place, you can book a free 45-minute clarity call with me through my Instagram page. My handle is at Coach Anna Olson, and you'll find a link to book your session in the link tree. I cannot wait to talk to you.